Hello and welcome, Ray and Denton. It's good to be on here, brother. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you, Ryan. Thank you. Ryan, tell us everything that we need to know about you in 60 seconds. Uh, so I live in Texas. I have three boys, uh, three very young boys. And so that, is, that has been a great joy and, and a process of sanctification as well. Um, I have a lovely wife that I've been married to for nine years. I, uh, I oversee two church plants right now and do a lot of open air preaching as well. Um, and just just uh, very, very humbled that the Lord uses uh, people like me. Um, I really don't have much to offer, you know, it seems like. And, and yet the Lord, um, the Lord does use uh, very, very weak vessels. And, and so um, and this is, you know, being on this podcast is another just a, a testimony to his grace. I really uh, appreciate you guys having me on. So um, yeah. I think that's six seconds. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You done well there, Ryan. You've written one of the best books on evangelism that I've read, even if none, reclaiming biblical evangelism. Tell us all about it, Ryan. Yeah, I wrote it uh, probably about four years ago, five years ago, and it was out out of a response to a lot of the pushback I was getting in in uh, some of the evangelism I was doing. Just uh, different different open air preaching and, and campus ministries, and just going around. In fact, we'd go to England and Scotland a lot and preach the gospel. Um, and so, you know, a lot of the uh, a lot of the the pushback as far as just going out and sharing the gospel was, well, what are the results? You know, what are you what are, is there any fruit? And what I started realizing is that, you know, a lot of the fruit that we see comes way down the road or we don't see it at all. Um, but at the end of the day, for me, it was it was a it was almost like a, a recalibration of, OK, what does it mean to be successful as evangelists or as when we go out to evangelize, because the book's not just for evangelists, it's for anybody that wants to know, okay, what is evangelism? How do I do it? And how do I know if I'm successful in it? And most of the time people gauge success by results. Well, that's the problem with that is that God is the one who, who brings the increase. Salvation is of the Lord. And so we can't, we can't gin up someone's conversion. We can't, we can't voice that. We can't make that happen. Our, our job, our role is to go out and share the gospel. And so, um, that's why I wrote the book out of a response to some of the uh, what I was perceiving as some of the unbiblical perceptions out there regarding evangelism, even in the reform world, even people who are more Calvinistic. Um, I felt like there was a, uh, a tendency to to revert back to some um, Arminian type of thinking when it comes to evangelism. And so I wanted a book to uh, to address those issues. And um, and so that's why I wrote Even If None. Yeah, oh, so glad you did. I mean, there are a lot of books on evangelism out there, right? But this one, this one, it comes from, you know, comes at a different angle and, and is so, so helpful. And looking forward to digging into that a little bit deeper. But before we do that, Ryan, how did you first become a Christian? So I was uh, 22 years old and um, I grew up in a house where we we, we would go to church Um uh, it was, I would, I would, I would describe it more as a nominal, uh, Christian home growing up. And, um, and so when I was 22, I was, uh, I was, I was a very heavy party, party kind of guy doing a lot of, uh, that kind of stuff. And, uh, at 22, the Lord started convicting me through his word and through my own sin and, and revealing some of my sin to me. And, and, um, and then, uh, it culminated with me, going around with my, uh, my brother's dog, walking his dog at night. And just, if, if it was around that time when the Lord really began to reveal himself to me in a way that, 
uh, I had never known. And, and with that, of course, comes conviction of sin, but, but really just being mesmerized and, and um, overpowered by, by the glory of God and, and, the, and the, the beauty of the gospel. Um, and so from then, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's been a work in progress ever since, but it's certainly, it's certainly been um, something that, that God has, has definitely been, uh, you know, he began that good work. And you can see by his grace that he is, he is bringing it to completion uh, little by little each day. So, yeah, that was about 15 years ago. So I'm very blessed. Yeah. And how did the call to become an evangelist happen? Yeah, I think it, I, that was probably immediately after my conversion, although I couldn't really articulate it at the time, of course. I didn't really know what that was. Uh, but I did when I went when I went to uh, to college after I was converted, I saw a guy who was open air preaching the first day that I was out there. And I was uh, I knew that I had to do I, I had to do that when I saw him doing it. And 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 I was always hungry and, and, and very eager to share my faith, even from the very beginning. Um, you know, I recall numerous times sharing the gospel with uh, uh, people who were um, who were lost, atheists, agnostics. I, I studied philosophy and literature in, in college, so I was always around people at a very secular university as well, always around people that were uh, in the world and and trying to navigate that as far as uh, how, as a, as a very young and inexperienced and baby Christian, um, still trying to share my faith as uh, looking back on it as, as uh, you know, as, as messy as that was. Um, you know, just just trying to do that all the time. And then by God's grace, uh, whenever I did go into ministry, it was it was uh, eventually um, I actually started out pastoring. And when I was pastoring, I realized I'm more of an evangelist. And so uh, since then, I've been doing I've been engaged in more evangelistic type of uh, type of work. Yeah. Yeah. So what should a Christian's motive be for evangelism? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's the there's the rub. Right. I mean, that's that's exactly. So if you talk to most Christians. Um, and that's why the book's title is Even If None. But that's because, you know, over over here in the States, at least there's a uh, it's, it's, it's a very cliched statement that even if one person believes, even if one person is converted, then it then it makes everything worth it. And although that's true, right, we do definitely want to see people converted and we're elated. We hope that we hope people get converted. Um, what if what if zero people get converted? You know, what if no one gets converted? Is our evangelism a wash? And and the answer is no. And that's because of your question. The, the answer to your question is our 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 purpose in evangelism is uh, to exalt Christ, to make Him known, to to lead people to Christ in the sense of telling people about the gospel. That's the purpose of evangelism. The results are up to God. You know, we and, and you know we. It's not to say we don't plead for people's souls. You know, we want them to be converted. We plead with them. Hey, turn to Christ. Repent of your sins. Believe the gospel. Christ's arms are open wide. Come in. Come into the, you know, come into the gospel. Come to Christ. Um, but we know ultimately it's up to God as far as the results go. And, and so that's why that, that the results of our evangelism is not the purpose of evangelism. The purpose is just to make Christ known, lift them up, exalt them. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, the metric commonly used to evaluate whether evangelism has been successful is conversions. But what does the Bible actually say about this, Ryan? Yeah, well, that's the thing. So the Bible, right? The Bible says salvation is of the Lord. Um, Paul talks about how he planted Apollos water, but God gives the increase. We see that men in Romans 3, it says men don't seek God. And so when it comes to evangelism, when you're out there evangelizing to people, you're, you're sharing the gospel with people. Well, um, 
what's happening is that unless God is drawing them through the gospel, yes, the power of God is of, of God is the gospel, right? How will they hear without a preacher? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So we know that God uses means, namely people going out and sharing the gospel. Uh, but ultimately, as far as how that response is, that the response is up to God. And so um, the, the Bible makes it clear that people are not going to believe the gospel unless God draws them through the gospel. And so our job is to share it. God, by his grace, by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is what applies that gospel. Um, it's that 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 uh, efficacious call, you know, of the gospel that goes out and, and God uses that to bring people in. Yeah, so good. I, I think one mistake people can can make when they're thinking about metrics is, is it's as if the gospel is some sort of product that we're selling, right? As if we're selling cars, you know, how many cars have you sold this week, right? And it's just it's just a completely different thing, isn't it? Yeah, and I remember when I was first pastoring in the and over here in the states again, the uh, the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, that's where I started out in the SBC, and you know that that was a real heavy push. You know, I remember having meetings with uh, area pastors, and 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 they would say, "Hey, okay, what are your goals for baptism? What number are you looking for this this year?" And it's like, "Well, wait a minute, you know, that's up to God. I mean, how are we to so so? The problem with that is you begin to water down. So, so let's say my goal is twenty baptisms, and I'm halfway through the year, I only see three or four baptisms. Well, I'm going to start watering things down. I'm going to start changing some things. I'm going to start um, tampering with the gospel in order to make those baptisms take place. And, and, and that's, that's the problem right there. I mean, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable as far as how widespread this notion is. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's so bad for the gospel and for the church. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so true. If I were to say failed evangelism, I think a lot of people would think I was saying that we had no conversions, but you've got this great chapter in the book describing failed evangelism as something completely different. And tell us about that, Ryan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, um, you know, if, if we're talking about evangelism, that is, um, when it, when it comes to how God works, right? So God's, you see that, that God pours out his Holy Spirit in unexpected ways. And, um, and he does bless our prayer. I mean, that's the, that's the thing about all of this is, is, you know, you don't want to, I'm not trying to err on the side of, uh, it's all on God. Conversion is all up to God. He uses means. I want to. I really. I really want to hit that. Right. God uses means. He uses our prayer. He uses our evangelism. He uses um, our desire to live in accordance with the gospel we profess. Holy living. You know, we want to honor God in everything we do, and God blesses that. He does use that, um, and He sees that. But at the same time, it's like uh, when it comes to what we're looking for, it's it's. A difference. So you have churches over in the states that are called seeker-friendly churches. They are pragmatic churches. They want to bring people in, no matter what it takes, right? So they'll the church looks like the world. The church is, is you know the messages are catering towards people who are they don't really want a lot of scripture, so you don't give them a lot of scripture. They don't want long sermons, so you don't give them long sermons. That kind of thing. Um, well, the problem with that, of course, is that you're 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 determining success specifically. And, and, and holy through through numbers. Um, whereas what we're talking about here is the success of the gospel. God is going to bless his church through the Holy Spirit and through the means that he's given us to, to, to employ. And that would be the preaching of, you know, just being faithful to the word, the preaching of the yeah. word, um, the, the, the means of the sacraments, prayer, those kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. You've just touched on it. Pragmatism has caused so many problems within the church and its evangelistic efforts, isn't it? Where did this start and where should it stop, Brian? Yeah, as far as pragmatism? 
Is that yeah? So pragmatism, yeah, that's it's it's been around. So I wrote one of my books that I wrote was is on uh, Augustine and his evangelism methods. And most of Augustine, I mean, he, Augustine is an evangelist at heart. You can see him. I mean, he's he's he wants to plant churches. He wants to he wants to see the lost converted. He's you know his his book, The City of God, is one of his you know huge book. He wrote that as a response to. Uh, uh, response to pagans blaming Christians for the destruction of Rome, and so he's 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 basically writing that for pagans. I mean, uh, he he did want to see people converted. Um, however, even in his day, um, he had things going on around him like relics, right? So relics were being used as a way to bring people in. Um, mm -hmm. Same thing, even with his, uh, you know, he had some questionable tactics with some of the Donatists, you know, as far as um, some some coercive type of conversion kind of stuff nothing like the inquisition nothing like people want to say later on about augustine but but it was there as far as um he saw this as something that can be used in order to bring more people in ex to expose uh to exposure of the gospel and so even with augustine you know somebody who who i highly admire and i think he's done a lot of good for the church there are tendencies in augustine to to uh, when it comes to his evangelism to 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 trend towards pragmatism. So I think you know my point is is this is something that all of us have to always be watching out for. This is something that can affect anybody. It can affect any church because um, and, and 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 a lot of times pragmatism is done by people who have good motives. They want to see people converted, but ultimately it's kind of like the regulative principle. You know we have to go back to the scriptures and say okay the Bible has to regulate how we evangelize. That's what it comes down to. And so I think, you know, we're always constantly reforming back to scripture, looking at scripture. And if we do that, that's going to be our safe guide as far as how, how to evangelize and how to protect ourselves and those around us from pragmatism. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Modern evangelism often begins with God loves you and wants to make you happy. What's wrong with this approach? Yeah. 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 And that's, that's uh, another, I mean, there's so many, cliches as far as evangelism that is out there that that really and that's another reason why i wrote this book is uh just just trying to um with compassion take on some of these things that have been thrown out there uh, the problem with with god loves you right so it's like okay number one and and depending on um how we see scripture right so what do we see scripture scripture tells us god's response towards unbelievers is that like in Psalm five, he hates all evildoers, you know, John three thirty six. the wrath of God is on evildoers on the lost person, right? So if you're engaging someone who is lost and you tell them God loves you, you're already flying in the face of what the scriptural data show us as far as God's uh, response towards that person, not just the evil they do, but that evildoer. That's what we see in the scriptures, right? God wets his sword. I mean, he has his arrow pulled back at the unbeliever. This is no joke. Um, and so that's the first thing, you know, that's the biggest problem right there is that number one is, 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 is unbiblical. Number two, what kind of impression does this give the person who is lost? I remember going back to my days as a lost man, I was living with a woman out of wedlock, drinking every night. I probably thought myself a Christian. You know, if you were to ask me, I would probably say, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't have a problem with God. I like God. Uh, but, you know, you could tell that I was not converted. I, looking back on it, it's clear I wasn't converted. So if you go up to me and you say, hey, did you know God loves you? It's like, well, yeah, of course he loves me, right? Why wouldn't he love me? I mean, and, yeah. and so that's the second thing. If you go to someone who's living in sin, who's dead in their trespasses and sin, who hates God, the Bible says they hate God. 
they 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 uh, they're not they're not seeking God. You go to them and say, hey, did you know God loves you? Well, that's cool. Well, did you also know you need a savior? Well, what do I need a savior for if God loves me? That doesn't make sense. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, so even the impression that it conveys when you go to someone and you tell them. Now, do we believe, you know, I personally believe that there is a general uh, common common love that God has for his creation. But I don't think that that would um, that certainly would not give me any the, the confidence to go to somebody who's who's dead in their sins, who's who's uh, their minds are, are in enmity, enmity against God and tell them that God loves you. That's that in no way do I see anything good coming from that. Yeah, yeah, so true. Another thing that we've both seen, I'm sure, under the guise of evangelism, to see people go out asking to pray for strangers, normally specifically around healing. What are your thoughts on this, Ryan? Yeah, yeah. So this is so if if and this this is a great question because it's kind of like uh, pizza parties, you know. Like, what do you what are your thoughts on like pizza parties and evangelism? Well, it's like this, you know. If if all I'm doing is praying for people and I'm not sharing the gospel with them, again, it's like, well. That's not evangelism. You can't call it evangelism. Evangelism is sharing the gospel about Christ with unbelievers. So all you're doing, someone, hey, we have a we have a prayer station come up, and there's nothing wrong with a prayer station, but there is something wrong with a prayer station where there's no gospel. So uh, like in the states on the campuses, there's a lot of Christian ministries, you know, and you watch what these guys do, and it's hey, we have a prayer station. Well, someone comes up, you know. Hey, can you pray for me? I got this test coming up. Okay, cool. Let's pray. Hey, this is Lord. This is Johnny. Help him with his test in Jesus name. Amen. All right, Johnny. Hey, we're here for you. And he goes away. Right. Well, what is that? You know, I mean, that's that's uh, the Muslims can do that. I mean, any 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 group can do that. That's not that's not that's not evangelism. Uh, And so uh, but going back to your point regarding healing. Right. So healing in itself. A lot of times people want to make. uh, like you see, like healing crusades. We I saw a lot of that when I was on the reservation pastor. You know, they'd have these healing crusades and people would stuff these tents, you know, and um, it's all about healing, 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 but there's no gospel. So again, it's like, hey, man, uh, if we're going to call this evangelism, then, then, then the gospel needs to be front and center. Everything else, you know, in other words, like do we, when we go out and evangelize, we do pray for people. You know, there are times when we pray for people on the spot, but it's never without evangelism also it's never without the communication of the gospel to that person yeah yeah so helpful so helpful as you've said god's power is found in the gospel what are the key things we need to remember when sharing the gospel with someone yeah um i would i would say so you know if you're talking about what to share something that francis schaefer said that i always uh has always stuck with me and it's something i'm i'm I'm, I'm constantly needing work at is uh, he said, you know, if you're sharing the gospel with somebody and there's different contexts, you know, I mean, if you're out open air preaching, it's going to be different than if you're out, let's say, uh, talking to a lost person at, let's say, like in the UK. I love the UK because uh, people walk around in the summertime and the weather's nice. You know, here it's hard to find that. So but here maybe you'd go to a mall or something and you want to just share the gospel um, or maybe there's a. Uh, you know, that's going to look different than if there's someone like, let's say, in your house who's lost, you know, that you're you see every single day. So it kind of depends on the on the on the context. But one thing that Francis Schaefer did say is he said that, you know, when I'm sharing the gospel with somebody, I want to listen for 90 percent of the time. And then and then 10 percent of the time you're actually communicating the gospel. And that's important uh, because part part of sharing the gospel is, you know, whoever you're talking to, if they're lost, they come into this conversation with some kind of religious worldview whether or not, you know, that could, that, that would include an atheist, you know, an atheist, everybody is religious, even atheists, you know, they're all religious. So it's a matter of, as you're communicating, as you're talking, as you're listening, um, 
you're, you're looking for ways to pick up on, okay, what do they believe? What is their worldview? What do they think about God? What do they think about man? What do they think about creation? Who created everything? What's the point of life? Those kinds of things. You can ask these questions and then just sit back and listen. And then when you respond, you're going to be able to respond in a more effective, efficient way because you're going to kind of know where they're coming from. Um, and so I would I would say that, you know, I think and again, it depends. I mean, if you're open air preaching, it's going to look different. Uh, but but at the same time, I think I think um, just knowing your context, knowing who you're engaging with, knowing that every conversation is going to be different. Every situation is different. But at the same time, ultimately, here's what we have to do. Right. Doesn't matter who they are. Drive everything to Christ. That's mm -hmm. what's going to save a person. Driving every conversation to Christ. It's just like Spurgeon said with preaching, you know. Everything has to be driven to Christ. Same thing evangelism, evangelizing, because, again, as you mentioned, the gospel is the power of God. Well, what's the gospel? It's a word message about Jesus Christ. So get everything back to Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So helpful. How can someone actually lead someone to Christ after explaining the gospel to someone? What do they actually do next, Ryan? Yeah, that's a, that's a, OK. So so uh, I mean, here's the thing. So if if in, in, in the West. As, as you know, man, in, in England, right? I mean, we're, we're dealing with some very hard soil right now. And so when you're out evangelizing, what I would say is, and I think this is what you see in scripture. So, so Christ is always concerned that the person counts the cost. So if you're sharing the gospel and someone's like, yeah, man, I'm all in. Let's, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm, I want to turn to Christ. You know, I see Christ as a savior then we want to encourage him. We want to do everything. We want to pray for him, encourage him, uh, walk alongside him, you know, make sure that he's going to find a good biblical church. These are not things that make him saved, right? But it's to say, like, this is what is going to help this person. Get them get with other Christians. Uh, discipleship takes place at that point, you know. Um, but uh, also a, a very healthy communication of, okay, this is what it entails to follow Christ, right? It means that things are going to be difficult. Things you are going to experience trials with your flesh, with the world, with Satan. All these things are going to come after you. But keep clinging to Christ. You know, keep looking to Christ. Keep turning. You know, constantly going back to Christ. So, um, what we're not going to do is tell him to uh, number one that you're saved. I say that you know, and, and for for instance, in our services over here, we have what we call the assurance of pardon. Well, an assurance of pardon, my buddy, my, my son's going to sleep here. Uh, I'm taking a nap. <laughs> not at night. Yeah, because we're, we're, what, 1030 a.m. Uh, but yeah, uh, so what yeah. we're not going to do is uh, we're not going to tell him that, OK, now your sins are forgiven. Now you're a child of God. Now you're saved, this and that. So like in the service during our assurance of pardon, I try to make a point that no man can tell you you're converted. No man can give you that assurance. The gospel in the scriptures has these promises pertaining pertaining our souls, pertaining salvation. But that's something that, that God communicates. So it's not about me praying. It's not, you know, it's about turning to Christ, yeah. repentant and turning to Christ. But ultimately, you know, it's nothing that man can, can, can absolve you of or anything like that. Yeah. And it's so important to remember that, isn't it? Because I'm sure we've, we've, all seen those emotional uh you know often charismatic worship services where there'll there'll be this emotional worship set and then everyone will close their eyes and then someone will raise a hand and then they'll have an authority figure on the stage then tell people they don't even know that they're now born again christians right and and the damage that that then does is is, is horrific isn't it 
Yeah. And then you go, this is, this is something else, right? And then you go and you're trying to evangelize somebody. I mean, this is, this is the problem we have where I live in, in Texas. You know, everyone thinks they're Christians. Everyone thinks they're saved because somebody told them that they were saved or they walked an aisle, they said a prayer, or sometimes they, they think because they were baptized and you're dealing with these people and you realize, man, you, there's no way, you, there's no fruit here to show, to demonstrate that you're converted. And yet they are, are absolutely convinced they are. And so, yeah, I yeah. mean, uh, we have a saying over here in the Bible Belt that you have to you have to get a person unconverted before they can get converted. You have to you have yeah. to explain to them, hey, this is not this is this is this is not what it is to be born again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So true. What would you say to someone that says that you shouldn't talk about sin, judgment or hell? Yeah, this is so if you if 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 you do not have a robust understanding of sin and of course hell is with that as well hell sin death some of these more unpleasant topics quote unquote then what happens is is you no longer have a gospel that saves people from sin or from hell or from death and so that's the problem when people downplay sin and they downplay hell again they might they might be thinking hey this is this is this is going to be good for the person but it actually damages uh, the person in the sense of the gospel will not be as 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 powerful as it is meant to be until we realize how heinous and wicked and evil sin is and how destructive sin is and how monstrous sin is. We can't appreciate how amazing it is that God in his love has sent his son to deliver people who are in love with sin. And so that's that's the problem in a nutshell. You know, if we downplay hell, then what it means is that we downplay what Christ did to deliver us from hell when he went to the cross to suffer the pains of hell in place of his people. We downplay that. If hell is not a big deal, well, then Christ's suffering isn't a big deal. Our Savior's not a big deal. And so that's, that's and again, you're, you're hitting on all these, these very critical problems that we have in, 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 in the West right now as far as the Christian culture goes. And, and so we as Christians, we've got to, we've got to provide answers to, to, to respond to some of these bad, these bad ideas. Yeah. Yeah, so true. What did Paul mean when he said to be all things to all people, Ryan? Yeah. So um, again, so this is another right. So so when you're talking about, um, and the word is contextualization. So you want to contextualize, you know. So in that passage, it's a, it's a very evangelistic passage when you see it. I mean, Paul is talking about um, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of converting people. He uses the word winning people. For the sake of winning people, I became a Jew to the Jews. I became someone who was not under the Jewish law to those who are Gentiles. You know, and he's doing this uh, for the sake of seeing people converted. And, you know, a lot of times there's extremes in everything, you know, and, 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 and that's usually the pitfalls in Christianity is when you err, when you go to one extreme. Um, and so when it comes to what happens in evangelist in, in, in evangelism cultures, when it comes to passages like this, when it comes to contextualization is, okay, well, if I want to reach a bunch of, let's say stoners, we call them, you know, potheads, guys that smoke pot all, all day, right? If I want to reach that type of person, well, I've got to I've got to do what they do. I've got to smoke pot. I've got to be familiar with the lingo. And then I'm going to go in this situation and 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 we're going to have these uh, these these. Uh, I've, and I've heard this before. Deep you know, deep pipe right. with the pipe, you know. So um, 
and they think, okay, well, I'm, I'm justifying this because I'm trying to be all things to all people. They're, they're, you know, they smoke pot, so I want to smoke pot. And this can be anything, you know. Um, so that's not what Paul meant. When you read what's going on, so, so Paul, first of all, he makes it clear he's not, he's, not out, he's not without the law of Christ still, right? So he's still under law. He's recognizing that, you know, I'm still, I'm still called to live and act within the parameters of Scripture. Um, the example I use in Even If None is something like Hudson Taylor. So Hudson Taylor, this is a good example. Hudson Taylor, when he goes to China, one of the things that 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 they do in China, all Hudson Taylor's guys, is they dress like the Chinamen. You know, they want to take on some of the culture. They want to appreciate the culture. They're not going to do anything. Let's say, uh, let's say you go into a culture where you're, um, it's it's the norm to have three or four wives. Well, they're not going to go into that culture and start practicing that because that's sinful, right? So you're looking at it, and you're you're you're. It's more about a cultural recognition that okay, in this culture, I'm not going to go into the Middle East and then open up like a pork shop, you know, where everyone's going to start eating pork, hoping that that. I mean, what's that going to do, right? Well, you know, I'm going to try to show that Christians can eat pork. Well, and in that culture. That's that's not a hill to die on, right? I mean, why would you go in with 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 that message? So, in other words, it is a it is it is a matter of using discernment, using sanctified wisdom, and at the same time, not needlessly offending people. That's what Paul's talking about. Do not needlessly offend people, but rather, um, for the sake of the gospel, you know, to the extent that it's not sinful, embrace the culture that you're in. You know, don't 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 try to. Um, uh, die on, on certain secondary or third tertiary issues, but rather, you know, we're talking about what can I do so that the gospel is not offensive in the sense of, um, uh, not the message, right. But, but how I'm communicating that and in the context I am communicating. So what does that look like when you come to England, everybody? Are you having fish and chips and you're, you're talking in the Cockney accent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's funny in England because one of the things I've, I've noticed is when we come there, you know, everybody, when we're open air preaching, everyone starts to stop because they think we talk funny. You know, they're like, oh, man. <laughs> and of course, then everyone calls us Yankees and stuff. But we, we do have a but yeah, I mean, yeah. Right. So chips and chips and uh, fish and chips and all that, man. I love that stuff. <laughs> I love England, man. That's one of my favorite countries, England and and uh, and then and then Scotland. I love I like England better than Scotland. But Scotland is, is pretty. I mean, there's a lot of nice things about Scotland, too. But I do love England. Yeah, for sure. Ryan, there are a lot of people that want Christ as Savior, but not as Lord. Why is this dangerous? So um, they, well, you know, because they go together, right? So, so Christ is Lord. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a false dichotomy, you know, because um, if you are a Christian and here's the thing, even if you're not a Christian, Christ is still Lord. I try to, I try to let people know that as well. You know, you, you might not follow Christ, but Christ is still your Lord. Christ is still Lord over you and over everything else. And so, um, you know, he is he is the king. And so you're talking about a Christ who is uh, uh, it's it's not a matter of you accepting him as Lord. He's already Lord. And so now it's, it's, it's just a matter of yeah. you bending the knee to Christ as Lord. And, and of course, when you try to make the dichotomy between say Christ is Savior, but not Lord, uh, it's it's absolutely fantastically unbiblical i mean there's there's no way that you can make a a uh, an, an accurate consistent claim for that um but also it, yeah it's same thing i mean it communicates it communicates a lot of misunderstanding about christ and and man it really does denigrate you know what it reminds me of now that i'm thinking about it it reminds me of like uh the roman catholic doctrine of purgatory 
where you're saying they'll tell you, oh, Christ, Christ, Christ paid for your sins and Christ's work is sufficient. But then when you're in purgatory, you still have to you still have to suffer for your for your own sins, you know. And what that does is it communicates that Christ is not a sufficient savior, that Christ right. is not truly a a a, a king, a, a, a lord. And same thing with, uh, you know, the idea that Christ can be uh, a savior, but not Lord. Well, what does that say about Christ? And what does that say about the salvation that Christ gives us? You know, that, that we can actually still live as carnal people. That's that's not the gospel. Yeah, so true. So true. In your book, you talk about how the church in the West has become too soft and you make a case for, I think you call it brash evangelism. Tell us about that, Ryan. Yeah, well, it's, it's like this. So, um, you know, the 11th commandment over here anyways, the 11th commandment is thou shall be nice. And right. the 11th commandment, I think Bodhi Bakum said the 11th commandment in the Christian world is more important than all the other 10 commandments. So, uh, and that's what it comes down to. And, and it's part of our culture, I think, in general, you know, where it's very, uh, you know, we're very sensitive, we're very easily offended. Um, and so, uh, you know, everything uh, is about uh, toning or policing tone. Pol now, and, and here's, you know, here's, again, the extremes, right? In the book, in, in the book, I explained this too, but here as well, I want to, I want to point out that this is not to say that we have to go and be rude and arrogant and, and overbearing and, and uh, 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 unthoughtful regarding the people that we're interacting with. You know, that, that of course, that's not, that's not Christian-like. You know, we, we want to be meek. We want to be patient. We, we don't want to be quarrelsome. So, um, but it is to say that uh, a lot of times we think, well, I can't, I can't go, I can't go confront the sin of homosexuality. You know, I can't confront the sin of transgenderism or abortion because if I do so, it's not going to, it's not going to be seen as nice by my culture. And that's what I mean, you know, by, by the idea of we have to realize that we as Christians, the gospel is going to offend people. And sometimes as Christians, um, we, we try to protect ourselves from, from being a, an offense to people. And, and that's and, and going back to your question, you know, um, the reason why I made this argument as far as brash evangelism goes is because in the book, I point out how the early church was evangelizing. There's a reason why the early church, I mean, they were slaughtered left and right. They were thrown into the gladiators arena. They were being they were being covered in pitch and set on fire. They were they were they were being treated horrendously. But what you never find anywhere in the early church is people accusing anyone else of being too mean or too over the top or too zealous in their in, in, in their evangelism. You don't see that. Whereas if this was happening in our day, if the Christians were being persecuted in the West today as they were in the early church, one of the things that the church would do today is they would tell everybody to chill out and be a lot nicer because there's no way that we should be experiencing this much persecution. Yeah. Whereas that's, that's not the case. You know, if you're a Christian living in the West and you take a stand for the gospel, you can do it gently. You can do it respectfully. But if you take a stand for the gospel, you are going to receive pushback. You might get fired from your job. You might have people slash your tires, spray paint your front door, whatever that is. And that comes with that comes with the cost. That's the cost of following Christ. And we're seeing that in the West more and more. We're seeing this. Yeah. Yeah. So helpful. and So true. There's a huge push for unity, which is this movement trying to lump in all sorts of cults and false teachings into Christianity. Again, under the guise of being nice, I think, often, Ryan. How do you deal with this when you meet someone who says that they're a Christian and they're, they're clearly not? 
Yeah. Uh, you know, it's always case by case, but it's a matter of um, questions. You know, I just try to question and, 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 and not question as far as like uh, being skeptical necessarily, but it's like, okay, well, well, when you say you're a Christian, what do you mean by that? What do you mean that, you know, what does it mean for you to, to follow Christ? What does it mean? Uh, what is the gospel? Of course, that's a big one, you know, and, and, and usually 90% of the time, there will be elements of works that are included in whatever that gospel proclamation on their part is. And so there, there's a red flag right there, you know, because now, uh, now you kind of start weeding through that and start saying, okay, well, you know, what do the scriptures show? The scriptures teach us something else. And so um, through that, that's the process that will, will um, usually help uncover um, the person's misunderstanding of the gospel. Now, this can include, like, if you're dealing with cults, if you, like you mentioned cults, um, you know, if you know what cult they're coming from, if you know, hey, this is a Mormon, this is a Jehovah's Witness, this is a Roman Catholic, if you know that going in, then then it, then your questions already can be a little more precise, knowing some background information about that specific cult. But even then, you know, we have to, as we as 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 we know, um, even then, it's a matter of saying, okay, well, you know, how enmeshed are they in this cult? I mean, are, is this just a nominal thing that they grew up with, like Roman Catholics? You meet that a lot, you know, that they grew up Roman Catholic, but now they don't practice Roman Catholicism, and so. Um, they might still think they're a Christian from all of that, but it might be easier to deal with that person than it would be to, you know, let's say deal with somebody who's a Roman Catholic seminarian who's, who's in the process of becoming a priest or something like that. So it's case by case. But I think all the, you know, my, my, uh, my suggestion is always, you know, ask questions and fill it out, be very Socratic in the method, you know, to, that you're, you're asking questions, asking questions, and then let their own articulation of things come out as you can, as you continue to ask them questions. Yeah. And through your book, I've uh, stumbled across your YouTube channel, which again, I'm going to make sure that the links in the description below, wherever you're listening or, or watching to this interview, you've got to go and subscribe. I just, you know, I was there just watching one video after another, really, really good stuff. What are some of your most memorable encounters, Ryan? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I tell you what, man. So going back to, to uh, Scotland and, and, uh, and England, this is about three years ago. I think it was the summer before COVID. And uh, we used to go out there every summer. And ever since COVID, you know, things have changed quite a bit as far as just travel and everything else. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it's so cool because when you go out there and, and um, here's the thing about evangelism, right? You never regret it once you go out and you just do it. And, and that's, that's the thing. So you go out. When we were in England and uh, in Scotland specifically, but we would be in uh, Glasgow. There was a time in Glasgow when we were out preaching and, um, you know, we'd have these big crowds probably because of our accent. I don't know, you know, but a lot of dialogue, a lot of engagement. And um, and even even so since then, I mean, there was a guy about two years after that who emailed me from Scotland and he said, hey, this is so and so. And you probably don't remember me, but you guys came out here. And, uh, and we were working with some guys that were from Scotland as well um, and from England. But uh, he said, you know, you probably don't remember me, but you guys were out here preaching two years ago. And, and I just want you to know that what you guys were preaching has stuck with me ever since. And, you know, I called on the name of the Lord and now I'm at a, at a, I'm a, I'm at a church. I'm reading my Bible and things like that. And so, um, you know, things like that really just strike home the fact that if, if, if we had gone home and we're like, oh, man, we didn't see anybody converted and we did see other really nice, good fruit from that. But, you know, if we went back and we're like, oh, we didn't see anything. Everything was a wash. We had no idea that the Lord was working on a guy like that, you know? So yeah. that's the thing. Yeah. When you go out and you share the gospel, when you preach, don't be so um, 
it, it's like this, you know, some days you go out and like you see on those videos, some days I go out and I just get thrashed, man. People left and right are just, just, you know, just yelling and, and acting crazy and throwing things and you go home and you're discouraged and you're thinking, man, that was a waste. But then, you know, a week or two later, so-and-so comes up and they're like, Hey man, I really appreciate you doing that. This has really struck home with me. I'm, you know, this or that. And it's like, and even if they don't do that, you know, you go home knowing, you know what, I went out there and I lifted up Christ and all those people heard about Christ, no matter how they treated me, how I was, what the response was, they heard about Christ. And now I'm going to leave the rest with God and, and let him deal with that. And, um, but that's, that's the beauty of evangelism, man. It never, it's never done without, uh, it's, all, it's like the word, the word never returns void. Yeah, um, but, so but every time you go out, yeah. And I've been, I mean, like, it's like, I've had really good days where you have masses of people just listening. I go out there some days, seems like nobody's listening. Some days, again, you know, you get punched in the chest or whatever. And it's just a matter of like, Hey, I just want to be a faithful ambassador, go out and proclaim the things of God, let him deal with what happens. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Brian, what are some tips for engaging the whole church in evangelism? Yeah. Patience. I would say number one, patience for people like you and I, we and, and evangelists. Right. So people who are evangelists, we can often assume that everyone should be as evangelistic as we are. We should have the same zeal and drive that we do. And that's just that's the thing is, is God gifts people. God wires people in different ways. And so um, for those of us who are evangelistic, you know, with that comes a temperament, a nature, uh, uh, you know, um, a mentality that's usually pretty zealous, you know, pretty black and white, pretty, uh, uh, go, you know, go getters. Uh, but with that comes a tendency to, to, to kind of beat everybody else up about it and say, you know, everybody should be doing what I'm doing. And, and I would say, you know, um, that's, that never works, you know, that just doesn't work. So, uh, patience, you know, patience, recognizing that people have different gifts. Um, it's not to say that we should not encourage. I think we should encourage patiently, and lovingly encourage others to uh, to commit to evangelizing, to help to help them along the way to evangelize, to invite them with us when we go. And when they don't show up, you know, don't turn around and start again, just just uh, throttling people. But be patient, keep inviting them. Don't be don't be, don't lose heart. Um, just keep doing it. And uh, and 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 over time, people, this is this stuff is is uh, I think in a lot of ways it's more caught than taught. You know, so in other words, you can teach people about evangelism left and right. But evangelism, again, is just sharing your faith is sharing the gospel. It's, it's that simple. But why is it so difficult? Well, because we're afraid we have the flesh. We don't know what to say. We're afraid how they might respond. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of what ifs, you know, and so just patiently encouraging people to to continue coming out, sharing your faith again, going out with people to share the faith will help them to have more boldness and courage when they do share the faith. It's always easier to share the gospel with more than one when it's when you're not by yourself. Yeah. So going out and helping them do that's going to help. Yeah. That's so true. And again, I think that's another really good reason why YouTube channels like yours exist because it is caught and people can see you do it and, and, you know, and, and, and catch it that way, which is, which is really helpful. How important is prayer when it comes to evangelism? Everything, man, everything. I can't, I can't, I can't stress this enough. If you, I, I, from my own experience, I mean, of course you see it biblically, you see it's in everything regarding prayer. You know, the, the, the disciples are in the upper room. They're not leaving. They're not going anywhere until the Holy spirit comes. Um, you, you see Paul, Paul is such a, 
man of prayer is, is, is dripping in his letters about praying for you and you praying for me and prayer, prayer, prayer. Everything's about prayer. Uh, but, you know, also just just um, when it comes to evangelism, evangelism, man, you go out, you share the gospel, you get beat up sometimes, not physically, but, you know, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. It's it's it is it is a uh, it's an upper uh, escalon of, of spiritual warfare. You know, you're on the front lines. You're telling people about the gospel. The devil hates this stuff. You know, he don't want people coming in. And so he don't want people hearing about Christ. And so um, what happens is, is when you deal with lost people on a regular basis, it's very easy to become bitter. It's very easy to become calloused and hardened. And so prayer keeps you tender. Prayer keeps you softened. Prayer keeps you compassionate. You're praying for the people that hate you. That's going to keep you. That's going to keep you uh, in a mindset where you can actually love them. Um, and so, you know, in so many ways, even for your own encouragement, just a reminder, you know, um, for your own self that hey, you know, this is good. And and prayer to me, I mean, um, you know, of course, prayer is is an all encompassing. I mean, it's such a, a a complex, diverse thing. But as far as what it is, but you know, ultimately, I've always. Prayer is asking God for things, of course, but prayer is also just thanking God. Prayer is also sitting with God and, and being in his presence. And so all of these things are going to help refuel someone who is out there sharing the gospel, or especially right before you go share the gospel when you're when you're a, when you're nervous about it. You know, you got the butterflies, you're queasy, you don't know what to say. We have to have the Holy Spirit give us wisdom. And yeah. so that's where prayer comes in. And so there's a there, and then afterwards, you know, praying for the evangelism that just took place. So prayer is prayer is, is everything. I can't stress that enough. And then when you're out there sharing the gospel, even when you're talking to people in your mind, you're praying, you know, Lord, give me grace. Help me right now. I don't know what to say. So it's, it's, it's an all encompassing things. It's all the time. Yeah. Right. And this is absolute gold. We're going to take a very quick break and then we're going to come back and ask you the free signature bar questions. I hope you're ready. So, Ryan, as you know, every single guest that comes onto the bar gets asked these three very, very important questions. Are you ready? I'm ready, I think. Let's do it. <laughs> so, question one, what kind of music do you listen to? Okay, uh, so I saw that on this on the, on the, on the sheet. Um, <laughs> man, I, I prefer, I don't listen to a lot of music during the week. Um, if I do, it will usually be classical i like classical music um i i don't know anything about me i'm not a musical guy so but i enjoy I, I enjoy whatever classical music is like the instruments i like that kind of music i like uh uh usually softer music you know so um i used to listen to bob dylan a lot before i was saved so i i still have like a uh, i still enjoy um I guess, Christian folk type of music, you know, more of your, your, that kind of stuff. Of course, the problem with that is that the theology is usually so horrible. I mean, it's hard to find anything yeah, decent. Yeah. Um, so usually I don't listen to, to much of that. And then, and then I, I do like, I, I love listening to uh, the Psalms, you know, when they're sung rightly, when it's done in the right way, it's, it's, it's very nice. And so um, I would say those three things right now, those, what I, what I've been listening to. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Next signature bar question. What book or books are you currently reading? Okay. Um, now this is easier in a sense. So I'm, I'm usually reading quite a few books at a time. I'm reading a lot of commentaries for Mark. I've been preaching through that at the churches here. And then, uh, and then I've been reading a, usually what I've been doing lately for, I would say about the last two or three months is uh, a book on my own uh, spiritual growth, I guess. And, and usually that means, 
Uh, like for instance, right now I'm reading Bernard of Clairvaux's uh, advice on consideration, um, something like that. I mean, it's an old book. Calvin loved this book. It was it, he actually wrote this to one of the popes of his day. Um, and this is in the early Middle Ages. But the point is, is that it's 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 really about being a a good Christian leader. You know what that means to be a mature Christian leader, and and so some advice there. Uh, but I like you know I like books like that, like. Uh, um, uh, the imitation of Christ I was reading the other day. So things like that for personal, just spiritual growth. And then um, I've been reading a book. I, I try to read something regarding like church planning or evangelism, um, just kind of keep up up to, to breast on some of that. So I'm reading a book right now. It's actually a really good book. And I wish I had it with me. I don't, but it's a, I was surprised, man. It's a really good book. I think it's called something like uh, uh, Outgrowing. That's it outgrowing the ingrown church or something. And I usually think these books are really kind of dorky and superficial. This is a really good one though, man. This is a great book it's written by a reform guy, maybe back in the seventies. It's a really good read. Um, and then the other book I'm reading is, uh, uh, what other book I had it out. Cause I knew that this question was coming up. I cannot remember, but, um, usually the other, the other, Oh, it's it, well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm reading a few, but one's on the Trinity one's on, um, the work of Christ. I've been reading a lot of biblical theology stuff lately. So, uh, like, like, yeah. uh, boss and some of that stuff, but usually, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm kind of, I mean, I even dipped into Lord of the Rings the other day and I, I don't, I don't like doing that stuff, but you know, just to kind of, um, again, I think it's just every now and then reading something like that to help just, uh, just, just be, I, and I'm a huge reader. So it's not like, um, I mean, I, I, I read kind of all across the board, but this is just a, I, I appreciate that because it helps you with language. It helps you yeah. to communicate things, um, with, with, uh, in a concrete ways. So I don't know. I've, I've enjoyed kind of, I'm not much of a Tolstoy Lord of the Rings or even like a CS Lewis type of guy usually, but every now and then I can, I can, I can read some of that. <laughs> and you've already written five books of one we've been talking about today is just one of those um any plans to write anything else Wayne? any anything else yes. going on yes i got one in the queue right now on my computer that's on church planning and so it's it's probably i mean i lengthwise it's already i mean it's already 160 pages but i think i'm, I'm waiting till it comes out i need more experience as a church planner myself so I, I feel kind of awkward and and, uh, and not quite, you know, a lot of times this book's going to sit there. And then as I learn, God willing, yeah. as I go, you know, I can tinker with some things. So it's, it's I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm just sitting on it. I'm in no rush. So, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll look, we'll look forward to that. We'll have to get you back on again when it does come out to, to talk about that one, Ryan. Last signature bar question. What podcasts or sermons do you listen to? Yeah, I, I um I, again, it's kind of across the board. Um, you know, in fact, let me pull my, my, my thing up. So I, I, the bar podcast, I, I'm very familiar with the bar. I, I see it around, but I'm not, I don't listen to a ton of podcasts. So I'm not like, I'm not like in the know, but I have seen the bar podcast. So I was very honored that, that, that you guys asked me to come on. Um, let's see. So I'm going to pull up my Spotify here. Uh, let me see. Here it comes. I'm just not, I'm not a tech guy at all. So this is all right. So, all right. So I got, uh, the theology podcast. Um, I'm scrolling. A lot of this is music. Okay. 
The rest is history. I think those are secular guys from England. Tom Holland, I think. So, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, Reform Forum podcast. I got Presbycast, Mid American Reform podcast. Um, let's see what else. Let me get through all the music here. Uh, so I got a Lutheran guy, Justin Center podcast. I'll listen to every now and then. I mean, I got all, I have, uh, the, the great books. A lot of these I don't listen to <laughs> just cause I, I mean, <laughs> time-wise, you know, you're limited, but no, you exactly. know, I have appreciated. Hey, the podcast thing is a really cool situation. You know, I think, I think podcasts and media is, uh, like you mentioned with the YouTube, that's why I started the YouTube page. This is like the Gutenberg press. This is the, yeah. the, the new thing. And so. The fact that Christians are out there utilizing this stuff to the glory of God, man, this is this is what's caused an explosion, I think, of, of good, healthy theology and reform stuff getting out there to people. So I'm very grateful for you guys that what y'all are doing. Yeah, thank you. It's just a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because although there's lots of good stuff going out on the internet, there's also some really, really horrible stuff as well, great right? Point. That's good. That's a great point, man. Yeah, there is that. Yeah. So, same thing with the with the press in the old days, though. You know, where they were. Exactly. I mean, you had the yeah, radical, true. radical Anabaptists. You had the. Ra- I mean, all kinds of just weird, funky stuff coming out because of the press, the printing press. But you know, at yeah. the same time, the Lord used it, and He's He's using you guys. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. This has been a, a fantastic uh, conversation. I've really, really enjoyed it, Ryan. But before we let you go, uh, take a moment to let us know your closing thoughts and also let people know how they can keep in touch with you on social media. Yeah, I would. Well, I want to encourage people to evangelize, you know, share, share your faith, know that God's going to bless it. Even if you feel uh, ill-equipped, you don't feel like you can do it. I never feel like I can do it. And I'm not just saying that. I mean, there, there's always a, a sense in which um, you know, you, you just, you feel inadequate and Paul felt inadequate. You know, he came with fear and trembling. He was inadequate. So he knows that we know that we have to rest on Christ. So evangelize, share the faith. That's how the gospel spreads. That's how the church is built up in part. That's one of the means that God uses. Um, and, and, uh, and also, um, I, especially, I don't know how many of your listeners are from England, man, but I, I love England. My great grandpa, my great grandpa, 10 grandpas back. Uh, came from England to America, and he actually was a, a Presbyterian. He was a Puritan, and he planted the first Presbyterian church in in America on American soil. But um, and wow. I think there's some of that in me. I just I I've always loved England, and and so I, you know, you guys in England, man, you guys keep keep going. The Lord is is uh, he's uh, he's not done with England. I don't think yet. So um, you guys be encouraged. And then yeah, you can find me at Texas Preacher on Twitter. That's my handle at Texas Preacher. And then the YouTube page is Ryan Denton slash Christ in the Wild Ministries. Um, you can just put uh, Ryan Denton. And then if anyone wants to support us or know more as far as how they can pray for us, our website, it used to be ChristInTheWild.com. My domain ran out. So now it's RyanDenton.com or PresbyPreacher.com. Either one of those will send you to the website. And that'll give you information more about us and then uh, as far as how you can support us and pray for us. So. Any of those will do, but mainly uh, probably Twitter at Texas Preacher. Excellent. Well, next time you come over to the UK, you'll have to let me know, Ryan. I'll come and pick you up yeah, from the absolutely. and I'll carry it. Yeah. And Ryan, am I right in thinking you've had one of your boys asleep whilst we've been doing this interview? Is that right? Yeah. Next well, year. So, so, well, I, so one just went down. We have a we have a four year old, a one year old and one that's about a month old. So uh, I'm, right, I'm amazing. Maybe, I don't know who's sleeping right now or who's not. I have a I have a very wonderful wife who's taking care of all that. I do hear somebody in the background who's not asleep. I don't know which one yet, though. <laughs> but, but we're, we're we're thank you. 
Yeah, well, thank you so much for your time. All of those links that you've spoken about, I'm going to go and find them and they'll be in the description wherever you're listening or watching this interview. Thanks again for your time, Ryan. Keep in touch. Thank you, brother. Keep at it, man.